we are rolling two seconds in awesome it's a very pretty day i wouldn't call it brisk no it's not even windy no there's a there's a little breeze out there but i think the house is blocking it potentially that's the beautiful thing about this little enclave right here. It works. It it works well for that purpose. What you have to have what an east wind for it? To, um, I'm not even sure. That is due south. That's due south. Okay. Yeah, we've covered this before. We have, and that's why it's like wait a minute. We we've <laughs> spoken about this before. Yeah, and you thought I was wrong. That's why I remember. I, <laughs> that's why I remember. <laughs> Every once in a while, you're correct. It's it's. It yes, doesn't happen it, it, often. It should be memorable when it happens. I hold on to my victories. <laughs> on that note, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Hello, everyone. It is once again shiftless time. And we're rolling out of our old year, but if you're listening to this, you're rolling into the new year. I don't know. Is this an end of year episode or a beginning of year episode? How do we approach that? This hybrid. Hybrid. Yeah. We cover all the bases. Yeah. And speaking of bases, I don't know if I hadn't noticed it before, but nice cap. Oh, thank you, sir. I'm pretty proud of it. You had so much to do with that victory. (laughs) No, I just bought the hat. (laughs) Texas Rangers, World Series champions. Yeah, there's a good way to recap the year right there. I tell you what. Ah, It's pretty awesome stuff. It was good. It was good. It was very very good to see that. It's uh, a long time coming. We'll see what next year brings, next season brings. So what's going what's going on in Bradland? Hmm. Man, just taking a couple of weeks off from all the madness. You know, the end of the year was kind of crazy for me, and then uh, I haven't been riding. I haven't ridden in Uh-oh. almost two weeks. Uh oh. Need to do something about that. Yeah, family in town, and just imbibing too much, and just cooking and eating, and it's that time everything. of year. Yeah. The next function I have is a New Year's Day get-together for friends and family. It's just a thing we do every year. We've done for, I don't know, 20-plus years. We just have we have a Bloody, Bear, excuse me, Bloody Mary bar. Uh, we make black-eyed peas and cornbread and cabbage and, you know, the normal New Year's Day fair. Mm-hmm. And we do a, a charcuterie board and... Um, we just do a come and go, you know. We have a window and people show up, hang out. Some people come by and just have peas and, and uh, cabbage and hang out for like 20 minutes and leave. And some people come and stay for a couple of hours, you know. But it's been, it's been a tradition around here since before we had kids. So um, let's see the next thing on my radar. And then after that, I have a, a guy's trip um, hunting fishing trip so okay so i have a couple of weeks of of leisure very nice so. very nice um how long jan and i were talking about this last night how, mm-hmm. how long has the gumbo tradition been going on because a 
Mm-hmm. That's I think that's your best batch of gumbo I've had so far. Well, I appreciate that. I don't feel like I made anything different except for that was my own andouille. It was your own andouille, which and I was really proud of. You should be. Mm-hmm. That was that was exceptional, and it definitely did add to the mix. Yeah, I don't know if I. It was very good. I'll just leave it at that. Not that Thank any you. of your others have been subpar by any stretch of the imagination. Well, it was the most current iteration, so it was fresh on your tongue. So you're like, damn, this is good. Yeah. I enjoyed it as well. Trust me. Um, good, good. It's been going on for probably 20, 25 years. That's been going on that long too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My um, It started with my uncle was coming into town, and I told him I'd make him some gumbo uh, for Christmas, and he's been dead for 20 years. Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's... We've probably been latching onto it for 10, is what, yeah. is, that's what that's what I told you. Yeah. She was like, oh, we've been doing it for three or four years. It's like, no, baby, we've mm. been doing it longer than that. Yeah, I've been making big batches of gumbo for, I mean, probably 25 years. Um, I just started selling it maybe, I don't know, five years ago or something, you know. But I always made it and gave it to friends and stuff like that, but... It's um, it's one of it's just a tradition at this point. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's something that doesn't even get discussed. It's just hey, we're making gumbo for Christmas. So I don't know. Oh, I can't breathe again today. Mountain cedar. It's is mountain that, cedar season. Is that what it is? I I have been advised that is the case, and it it's, it does kick my ass from time to time. It's making me crazy. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. So, uh, so you haven't been, oh, wait a minute. You said you got a hunting, fishing guys trip going on. Yeah. We have an annual trip, um, with a bunch of guys that I used to work with in the oil field and just, just a bunch of good guys. Um, and we go, they call it a blast and cast, um, trip and we camp on the river and the, the thought process is eat what you catch or kill, but it never works out quite like that. Understood. So, what, what river is this? Brazos. Okay. Yeah. Right at the mouth of uh, the Brazos there at the, the dam, the base of, uh, I guess that's PK, isn't it? Uh, Boston Kingdom? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So we'll go we'll go fly fishing, duck hunting every morning. Uh, it's just an excuse to hang out and camp. I hear you. So, I hear you. And it got a little out of hand there for a couple of years where people were bringing ridiculous campers and generators and all this and and last year we did uh back to the basics and then this year i think it's back to the basics again but i always sleep in a hammock anyways so uh, i enjoy it i love sleeping outside but we'll see um i have aspirations of catching some fish okay so is is the fish edible there yeah. Okay. Why, why wouldn't it be? I can't. I know some of the rivers in Texas, they don't recommend you eat the fish. I wasn't sure if the Brazos was one well, of them. I mean, this is just flowing water and it comes off the PK. So um, there's some some good sized stripers in there or hybrids. Um, and then uh, they release rainbows in there. Uh, it's not cold. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not cold enough to have holdovers, though. So they're all hatchery stuff but it's um it's pretty nonetheless very nice some small mouse in there some large mouth it's uh i don't know what the release rate is this time of the year or what it'll be when we're going to be there but 
I'm excited nonetheless. Had a pr- had a pretty good rain, so yeah. you know, maybe maybe something's going on. Yeah, everything's still holding water. It's pretty sure crazy. Is. We sure had that is. long soaking rain. We needed some rain though. Needed it badly. Yeah. Needed it badly. So I'm not. I am not arguing that point. At so did all. you get any uh, cycling related stuffs for Christmas? No, I'm too old for Christmas presents. You don't get Christmas presents even from your your children's. Uh, I think I got a hat. Yeah, I think I got a hat. Um, you think? I know I got a hat. I know I got a hat. A, a, a straw fishing hat, and because yeah. I'm such the fisherman. Yeah. It's like okay, this will be my Big Bend hat. It'll work well for that. <laughs> uh nah. We're, I mean, we're we're not big on the gift exchange among among uh, among the uh, the grown-ups. We you know we get the stuff we need throughout the year and. Yeah, it's kind of the same way around here. Paul, yeah. I, I handed Paula a couple of presents and said, hey, this is from you to me. <laughs> Wrap this and put it under the tree. Yeah. So, I mean, and she's pretty vocal about telling me what she wants to. I mean, tec- technically, I take that back. Uh, Jan did buy me a, a, an action cam as my Christmas gift, but I got it last month. Yeah. So. That's fair. So, uh, she got a Subaru last month, so. Yeah. And. Yeah, and it's it's. Uh, As you get older, the, the the priority shift. Like Paula got a front door for Christmas. Yes, yes. Um, but it won't be here till February. So. I understand. I understand <laughs> that logic completely. The pra- the practical stuff goes a long way. Oh uh, yeah. Oh what my 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 Christmas present this year was the truck got wrecked. Oh yeah. 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 So yeah, sitting out at the front curb again and got clipped again so that's the second time in two years three years wait so. when did that happen uh christmas eve oh shit yep jeez are these people hit and run uh this guy uh i don't think he was gonna run but uh, my daughter and her fiance were pulling in just as he hit my truck and uh so they they kind of stared him down and he sheepish sheepishly pulled over and Texting and driving assumption that it that's not the impression they were under, but they were like, don't understand why he did that. Intoxicated. Maybe it's always, it's always a possibility. Sure. I mean, we didn't, we didn't talk too long. I mean, you know, I'm to, I'm to the point. It's like shit happens. Let me, you know, let me take a picture of your license. Let me take a picture of your insurance card. Yeah. Um, and I told him, I said, I'll, all right, I'm going to give you the chance to call your insurance company first, but I'm calling them in an hour. Yeah. Stories better match. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I know where you live. <laughs> yeah. Golly. So, I mean. That sucks. That part of my Christmas was fixing my truck, too. So. So is that all good to go? Do you Are you still waiting on a, a whistle fix? So, yesterday... Um, we took that all apart and put a uh, spray gasket on the uh, gasket itself. And I don't think, I think it was chilly yesterday and I don't think I let it cure long enough. Okay. So it fixed until it didn't. So the whistle, the whistle came back. The whistle came back. So I'm going to so have to get blew, into it again. You blew out the gasket. <laughs> yeah. So we went over to Justin yesterday. On the way over to Justin, it decided to make itself known again. Took my kids shopping for uh, 
new pair of cowboy boots. Oh, okay. Had... His first real pair of cowboy boots. Understood. He is fired up. Nice. So, it was a cool experience. I don't think, you know, as long as I've lived here, I don't think I've ever been over there and walked through all those seas of boots. I don't I don't recall going there, but we was... we've done it several times over the years. I actually I I picked up uh I picked up a nice pair a couple years back. They fit well. Yeah. But unfortunately I found out that heeled boots and my knees don't go together. Mm. <laughs> so I got this brand new pair of, and they were steel toed and they I mean they were meant for spinistry stuff, so like Yeah. And they're just sitting there. It's like that's a shame. I really love, would like to that is a shame. Wear those, wear those boots. Might give them another shot here. Knees are getting a little better. Did uh, did you by chance get that email I forwarded I did. you yesterday? I did. I was going to pull it up. That's a good one, too. I'm not even going to mention the fact that he misspelled decision, but <clears throat> he knows. Well, you know, I'm <laughs> one, <laughs> one of my uh, Facebook birthday messages this morning is from... Uh, a very uh, highfalutin attorney we both know, and mm-hmm. <laughs> the spelling was ridiculously <laughs> bad on that. It's like, ha, huh, okay, I don't feel so bad now. Oh goodness! I don't, I don't have the eight years of school under my belt and yeah. internships and all of that. Well, this is from our, well, yeah, our good buddy Shannon Wyatt. Love this guy. I'm about to say good buddy is the understatement of yeah, the year. Great guy. Um, he he obviously heard our podcast talking shit about him, about getting I, an e-bike. Were we talking shit I about? I really I, don't think we were. I, but it's from from his reply, it seems like he maybe felt that way. I thought I thought we were trying to. So last last episode, Brad dropped the bomb that our friend Shannon is is joining the e-bike crowd, mm-hmm. and uh, we we both pondered the whys and the wherefores and how that came about and he felt the need to to defend himself if you will but uh he says dear friends in regard to my decision for an e-bike was due what in regard to my decision for an e-bike was due largely from the peers i ride with just as brad was saying from his highlighted bike bike packing trips the crew you are with largely make up the good times had Ben had the most sense, stating that the e-bike is like a different sport. I do agree with the majority by saying that I will not get as good of a workout as I would on a muscle bike. The e-bike keeps you aerobic for longer consistency and could build stamina. The e-bike I chose is the Orbea Rise H10 aluminum, 46 pounds. You guys mentioned handling of the bike would be the difference. That's partially true. If two guys were on identical bikes and weighed the same, there are a lot of equations and differences in e-bikes. Motor size, weight, rider weight, oh, rider weight, uh, brands of motors and bikes, and if it has been jailbroke. Um, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Uh, the range extender is only to allow for longer rides. It has nothing to do with power. Bragg and Ben pushed the bike on me more than anyone. They were ecstatic when I told them I had bought one, mostly so they had someone to ride with. 
E-bikes and muscle bikes largely don't mix. If you don't want an e-bike, then don't demo one because it could easily change your mind. That's what I'm afraid of. I hear you. I yeah. hear you. Thanks for still being my friend after I made the e-decision. After all, we still love Adam after he bought the river van. <laughs> Miss you guys. Oh, Rock. I didn't get that at first. Now I get it. Yeah. Okay, river van Rivian. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well... Let's not let's not close that. Oh, okay. What I would like to do, if it's okay with you, uh-huh. I would kind of like to break this down okay. a sentence at a time. I'm sorry I read that like on a fourth grade level. The font was so small, and I was scared that if I paused while I was reading it to try to blow it up, it would uh, make it even more messed up. Okay. No worries. A... Muscle bike, that's a new one for me. I kind of like that differentiator. Mm-hmm. Differentiator. We've discussed this before. I, I have we have we have we thrown muscle bike into the mix as a term? Yeah, I didn't recall it. Maybe yeah. maybe reading it makes more of an impression than listening to Brad's words. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've discussed it before. Okay, I told you I got it from uh, another friend of ours who. Got it from the industry. All right. Muscle. Okay. I, I think I might be on board with the muscle bike versus e-bike when you're, when you're just talking in the same conversation about both. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, acoustic has been thrown around. Never and, cared for that one. Yeah. Same. Um, analog. Definitely don't um, care for that one. I like muscle. I like muscle bike. Makes okay. Sense. The only thing is, you know, you're going to get a bunch of people on e-bikes butthurt thinking, well, it takes muscles to ride an e-bike, too. You know? Well, we'll get there. Let's yeah. let, So let, let's go back through Shannon's email. Mm-hmm. One line at a time, if it's okay with you, just to talk about, you know, we've talked about e-bikes on so many episodes. And I think his 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 experience and his reasons why he's going that, that route helps fill in some of the gaps that we've wondered about or mm-hmm. you know maybe expands those gaps but gives us different ways to hey you remember when we asked each other this question now how do we feel about it or how does it strike us sort of thing yeah so uh let's kind of go through it line by line and just discuss those topics as they apply to e-bikes versus muscle bikes and okay. in going into 2024 does that work for you yeah it's fine she, he just says uh in regard to my decision for an e-bike was due largely from the peers I ride with, which is what I had said. I think it's there's a large contingency down there that rides e-bikes. Like he said at the end of his email, uh, e-bikes and muscle bikes largely don't mix. Right. It's kind of like uh, a single speeder mixing with geared bikes in you know varied terrain. It just doesn't work overall. I mean, they can ride together, but over longer stretches or longer climbing pitches, you know, it just doesn't work out. I think the peer aspect of it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And I'm ne- I'm never going to knock anybody for wanting to hang out with their buddies, their friends. Even if they're doing stupid shit? That's the best time. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I mean, how many people do 
stupid shit by themselves. It almost always takes a little bit of peer pressure to do stupid shit. That's true. But what normally happens is somebody finds something stupid to do and they go, hey, you got to come try this. Because <laughs> they don't want to be doing it by themselves. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I definitely appreciate if, uh, you know, if, 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 if I ride with this group of people and four out of the six now are on e-bikes, we're not having that same common experience yeah, that we used not, to yeah, used it's to not have. a shared experience at that point because you're struggling and hating life and they're up there cadillac and giggling <laughs> i oh. i i i guess i no. guess i i i, ha- I haven't i haven't experienced the the joy of the e-bike yet my myself no but that that's what he says in the next he's like you know what's his next what's his uh, next line the crew you were with largely make up the good times had okay. which is true i mean you know We've all been on a ride where there's just one person that hates life and just bitches about everything, and it just ruins the ride. And so next time when you're trying to figure out who's going on a ride, you're like, well, not this person. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, when Harnish still lived here, we would take him on rides, and there was a couple of times where he was just in a bad mood, you know, and he just bitched the whole time. And we actually called him to the carpet on it, and and he, like, totally corrected. Okay. Like, made a 180 and was like, you know, you guys were right. I was looking at this the wrong way. And he started having a blast. Good. You know? Good. So, some people can can be a little more self-aware, and once you point it out, they're like, oh, yeah, have a good time. Don't be a curmudgeon, you know? I mean, I think in general, a lot of people get caught up in their own stuff, and they're not even realizing how... It's coming across. Yeah. There's always a perception of, well, if this is what I'm feeling or if this is what I'm seeing, everyone around me's seeing it the same way mm. sort of thing. Mm. And it's real easy to fall into that trap, I think. Mm. Not overthinking. But uh, it's called empathy. Yeah. And we all need to work on our empathy skills. 100%. All right. Next line. What does he say? Ben made the most sense stating that e-bike is like a different sport, which is funny because I told him we were riding at Mount Nebo. I told Ben, I said, this isn't even the same sport. He's like, ah, fuck off. It is, you know, giving me shit. And I was like, no, dude, dude, this is a totally different animal. He's like, well, it's a different ride. I can't remember exactly what he said, but he says, I do, do agree with the majority by saying that I will get, will not get as good a workout as I would on a muscle bike. The e-bike keeps you aerobic for a longer consistency and could build stamina. So he said, I talked to him yesterday, and he said they rode 21 miles. They went to Huntsville. He rode 21 miles and had, I can't remember if it was 1,040 or 1,400 feet of climbing. And he said he was in zone three the whole time. It's like a base ride you know basically but again we're back to and we've had this discussion numerous Uh times it's not the distance that matters it's the time so if he did 21 miles in zone three how much time did he spend in zone three i didn't ask him his total i could look it up on no i'm just i'm not i'm 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 saying everybody tries to equate or calculate their workout based on mileage yeah i i totally am with you on this 100 percent. it's it's time for me well and, and that brings me to the next point i go so wh- wh- what's your range like what how did that work out yeah and he goes well um and he started telling me some stuff and i go 
Well, hold up. How far did you ride? And that's how I got the metrics on his ride. Okay. And so he rode 21 miles. And I go, so how much of your battery was left? And he goes, about a quarter. And then he goes, and it said I had 31-mile range left. And I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. That doesn't add up. Goes, that, that math doesn't doesn't math. And he's like, well, you don't have to do the math because it does it for you. And I go, yeah, but have you rode 21 miles and you used three-quarters of your battery uh, I would assume that you have about seven miles range left. And he goes, oh, no, no, that's not how it works. I go, oh, okay. So I, I didn't want to argue with him. No, but, I understand. I understand. And but, and that's, uh, for me, That's I'm still waiting for the 100-mile e-bike to yeah. seriously consider it yeah. sort of thing. And I'm not saying that will be the deal maker for me at that point, but... You know, de- definitely, if there if there's not a realistic hundred mile range and the, the bike doesn't weigh 180 pounds, yeah, I'm. It's probably something I'm not interested in until then, sort of thing. But even with a, a here, here's my thought: is why do you need a hundred mile range unless you're going to be going on a long distance trip? Like if you want to do race across Texas on e bike, and then at that point, like, how do you recharge it? You go to a hotel and recharge it. Well, I mean, uh, a hundred mile range would be, uh, you know, a hundred mile loop at an event. Yeah. So. I mean, I see that, but you'd have, you'd actually have to have like a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty mile range. Well, when I say range, I mean practical range, not yeah. not state, Actual. not stated yeah. range, yeah. not. Oh, we think it'll do a hundred miles. It's like right. no, this this bike is good for a hundred miles. We know yeah. it is, sort on, of thing. Not on a flat surface in a vacuum. D- yeah. Downhill with a tailwind yeah. and yeah. And all, you know, everything, uh, everything perfect conditions and, you know, 75 yeah. pound rider and, and whatever else. E-bike he chose but he, the Orbea Rise. I, I still want to, I still want to go back to, to the previous one a little bit. Another mm-hmm. point that we, we'd spoken about, it, it, at least he agrees that overall, generally speaking, it's probably not as much as a, of a workout. Right. Uh, until at, that battery runs out as a muscle bike <laughs> until the battery runs out then it's even more of a workout yeah. especially at 46 pounds he said this uh the fork is it's 150 mil up front and 140 out back okay so it is so it is a dual suspension oh yeah yeah i don't think there's very many e like, like true mountain bikes like what we would consider not an entry level mountain bike. I can't think of any hardtail. I I don't know. I have yeah. I, I haven't I haven't E-bikes. researched those specifically. But I you know like they're you know the 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 e gravel bikes are a thing. Sure. So yeah. again, I mean I'm a I'm a hardtail guy to begin with. Generally yeah. speaking, so I mean a, a hardtail e e bike would for me would make sense. But I also appreciate that I'm not the current market that's out there. No, and and mountain bikes are the one of the biggest factions of e-bike oh growth. very de- very definitely very and, definitely and the majority and, of them are and, and the cargo bikes yeah that's true uh and commuters yes so but uh and i think the majority like by a very very large percentage uh are full suspension a lot of them are geared at at uh guys either wanting to just burn up trail quicker or um, guys that are living in areas that they want to hit multiple runs and they want to save their legs on the climbs, right? And then bomb downhill, bomb downhill. Which I get that. I, I get, I get, I get that completely. 
And I guess that's what I was kind of, you know, I'm looking at it from the Houston perspective of, I understand if that's all there is in e-bikes is, is just the dual suspension. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't thinking along those lines just for where they're riding. Yeah. Sort of thing. But like I, I was in Park City um, and we were riding, we were out for like an all day ride. And uh, we we're riding up a particular hill there called Puke Hill. And you basically, it's like gravel road, but it just, it's just this sustained climb. And these three guys come, I'm dying. I mean, just dying. And these three guys come riding by me and they're just laughing and cutting up. And I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I look and they're all three on e-bikes. Okay. And I'm like, oh. And then I found out that, that there's a bunch of guys that live there locally and that's what they do is they, they'll ride up this hill because it's the quickest way to get to the top to get to all these different runs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not, you can't, you can't do, obviously there's no lift and there's no shuttle support because it's remote. And so that's what those guys will do. They'll go out and hit, you know, five or six runs and then they'll just send it back into town because you can just descend all the way from there back into town. So I was like, that's, that makes sense. You know, that doesn't, that, that makes all the sense in the world. Especially when you're talking about like versus going to a park and paying for a lift ticket. Speaking of, okay, I bought Kieran's going to Breckenridge for New Year's with uh, some friends of his and their parents. And so <clears throat> he asked me to get his lift ticket for him for Christmas. And how much is a lift ticket these days? Three days at Breckenridge. Just guess. 600. <laughs> Bargain. $772 for a three-day lift ticket. Like Ice Cube said, no Vaseline. Unbelievable. I could not... I was like, dude, you're not going to get a lot under the tree this year. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, I'd rather buy you something... I, I know he's going to create memories, you know, and have fun. But I was like, I'd rather get you something that you'll have for a while rather than. Yeah. But I'm excited for him. He's, he's going to have, have a good time. Luckily, his housing is paid for. And everything that he needs to ride, I had. I mean, board, boots. Okay. Uh, uh, pants, helmet, goggles, gloves. I mean, and and... I felt like pretty awesome because I started, I was like, dude, I have everything you need. And he was like, and I started pulling out my stuff and he's like, Oh dude, this is sick. He loved all of my kit. So I was like, I kind of felt cool. There you go. Like I'm not the old man. Cool, cool dad mode. Yeah. But that was a good job, Karen. That was a lot to, I mean, I just, I guess I haven't bought a lift ticket in forever, but I was like, what are we doing? I mean, I get that it's inherent cost running lifts and employing everybody and running cats and marking trail and right. blocking off ice zones and, you know. I mean, it's supply and demand is, is ultimately what it boils down to, right? Yeah, yeah, I get that. It's like, you know, I mean, technically speaking, even though, uh, even though the chairs are, you know, rotating all day long, it's still mm -hmm. a limited capacity. Yeah. So if you got butts and seats all day long you can just keep raising that price to oh now we've got three three 
spare seats. Maybe we need to knock the price down a little yeah. bit, sort of thing. I mean, yeah. that's that's easy enough to to calculate. And yeah. Well, I mean, in, until people start going, I'm not paying those prices. Right. It won't come down. I think that's what I just said in yeah, a yeah, roundabout yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was just reiterating that I agree with you, and I understand what you're so saying. How, how, I acknowledge you, Kevin. How many? How many? How many runs does he get for two hundred and fifty dollars a day, or whatever? I mean, you can theoretically you can be there when the lifts open, and they typically open at I don't know eight or nine o'clock. Okay. And I don't think they close until like maybe forty five minutes till sundown. Okay. So, so uh, but but I mean, so what? How long? How long's the trip up and down the hill, sort of thing? And it depends on what you do, how much dicking off you do. But um, I mean, I've gone before and gotten like fifteen, twenty runs in a day. Okay. Um, but you have to, you have to be on a mission to get that many you, runs. You have to be on a mission because it's so easy to dick off and do other stuff. You know, go into the shop and uh, you know get hot chocolate, get a sandwich, sit down, look for your friends. You know. Um, get to the top of the lift, wait for people, right, right. get to the bottom of the lift, wait for people, right. you know, uh, pull out a map, try to figure out, Oh, I want to hit this run then get lost. You know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff until you get the, the mountain kind of nailed and get mm-hmm. kind of in sync. It, it, you know, your first day you might get eight or 10 runs, you right. know, and, and even then you're going to be beat up. Sure. So, and it depends on if you're taking, I can't remember. I don't think I've ever been to Breckenridge, but some <clears throat> some mountains have a two tiered system. So from the base, you can take one lift up, and then there's like a secondary base, and then there'll be multiple lifts that go up to the top top. Mm-hmm. And so you can ski down this side, and you can either go all the way down to the base, or you can just go to this secondary level and then take that back up, and you're just staying on the top of the mountain. And some of them just have lifts that run from the very bottom all the way to the top. So, uh, are we to the point now that uh, basically, you know, all of this, all of the, um, all of the ski places have acknowledged that snowboards are our thing, and they're allowed at all of them? Or is there still is there still a little bit of a segregation thing going on? Taos was the last holdoff that I'm aware that of. That was the last one that I was aware of. But, but I, I don't I don't know if they're... I'm pretty sure they I'm pretty sure they, they acquiesced and allow boards now. Yeah, it would have been stupid for them not to, but yeah, it says, if you just look up, I just literally did a Google search for Taos, and it says series suggested website best skiing and snowboarding in new mexico so that yeah i know they were doing a big deal of holding out and making yeah. making a point of it yeah and they were very vocal about yes it. Yeah. yes but it's funny because uh you know snowboarding's been out since the i want to say mid 80s uh and it was very very looked frowned upon for quite some time Oh um, sure, it sure. took a long time to make very it in. very similar to gravel riding, but yeah. from the from the roadie crowd. Yeah, I think it's a lot more elegant sport. Personally, I've I've never done either, so I, I can't I can't speak to it. I've well, never I've never been a snow bunny. It's less moving parts, you know. You don't have poles, and your feet can't go different directions, and you know. Some some may say it's more limiting. I don't know. I've just always been a snowboard guy, not a ski. But I grew up on a skateboard. You, you, yeah, you were a skateboarder. Yeah. And, so and surfer. So I tried surfing a couple times. I was a much better skateboarder. And yeah. I, was, I was a shitty skateboarder. 
But you also tried surfing in Florida. Yes. Yeah. The, you need you need something that actually pushes you. Yeah. The surfing in Florida is mediocre at best, and that's during like storm season. The best the best of times yeah. down there. So um, yeah. I mean, there's places that their shittiest waves are better than the waves in Florida. Oh, well, yeah, we know that. I mean, Florida's great for body surfing. Don't get me wrong, but as far as like it's like having enough time to catch a wave, get up, and actually play on the wave, they're not that sustained. Sure. So. Oh, oh yeah, we we definitely we definitely are aware of that. It was not a, it was not the surf scene by any stretch of the imagination. So I did get. Speaking of presents and bikes, okay, and Paula buying me presents that she didn't know about, the Pro Closet had uh, XTR trail pedals on sale for thirty nine ninety nine. Okay, and so I took advantage to get a pair of those because those are the pedals that I ride on most of my bikes. Still haven't fully converted to flat pedals admittedly understood but i got a pair of those and i got a uh park um chain tool the master link pliers okay uh i'm happy to have those because i the only ones i have prior were wolf tooth the their little tool their multi-tool yeah the six bit or whatever it is and i keep that in my bag so i'm always every time i'm messing with a chain i have to like dig through my bag and get that out and then make sure I put it back in there before I go on a ride and that kind of, so I was like, I've been meaning to get a pair of these pliers forever. So now I have those. Very nice. Very nice. And I have a pair of backup XT pedals. So even you nicer. Beat them for 40 bucks. But I, that's a hell of a price. Yeah. That's a hell of a price there. But I mean, lots of, lots of, lots of bike stuff's going for a hell of a price right now. Yeah. I think, I think we might be close to the, I'm not saying that uh, everything's going to be uh, sunshine and roses for the mm-hmm. bicycle industry next year, but I think we might be in the middle of the panic trough where people are th- throwing shit out at ridiculous prices just to flush mm-hmm. it now, and it might be a little bit into the overreaction phase of that right now for the industry. And That's uh, going to create a problem too, though. How so? Well, I mean, then you have way too much supply and no demand. Understood. I, well, I think that's that's kind of what we've been going through this year. They've got the supply and no demand, and that's why they're doing the panic selling right now. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think uh, at some point hey. they'll get to the to where they've. It's like, oh, we 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 don't have much inventory left now, and it's now it is going to take two years to start yeah. shorn back up because all of a sudden demand does pick back up. A little bit, but who knows? We'll we'll see. We'll see. It'll so basically, we're going to go through sales intervals. They're going to go hard and slack off, and then go I, hard I, and slack I, off. I, I I think we're at the I think we're at the peak of how hard they're going putting stuff on sale now. How mm. now? Will it last another week or two? Will it last throughout twenty twenty four? That's mm. hard to say. Uh, but any I think if anybody's waiting, holding their breath, waiting for even lower prices. I don't think that's going to happen, but I could be proven wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also depends on what you're looking at too, you know, I mean, complete bikes. I, mean, I don't, I don't think complete bikes are going to get much cheaper, but frame sets, I think we're going to see frame sets drop. 
I, I'm going to beg to differ on that one hmm. uh, because, I mean, the, the complete bikes are, are going so cheap because the component providers to those complete bikes are discounting their stuff. And, they're, they're, and that, so that's where they're able to give their 50% savings or whatever is that they're getting – they're getting flexibility on their component pricing, yeah. sort of thing. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I I think generally speaking, frame sets themselves. A, we're back in the realm of. There's not very many people that are buying their bikes, frame set up these days. That's sad. sad. Well, it's it's the reality of of the <laughs> industry, though. Yeah. People are buying complete bikes. Very few people are buying frame set up. Um, not as many. It's still available, and a lot of people still do it, but not nearly like it used to be. Uh, actually, I got an e- got an email from Chumba today. They're putting out a new line. That's uh, funny. I'm on Chumba's site, looking at their trying to look at their pricing right now. They're doing uh, a new titanium line. It's like it was like a sneak peek email thing, but I'm sure by the time this gets published, it will be. What's it going to be called? Bear with me. I'm bringing up the email now. Introducing the Soco SL Titanium All-Road Bike. Hmm. That's That seems to be the next generation of the, you know, and, and Salsa's done it for a couple of years with their War Road it's there's a, there's and loft does it uh, yeah. everybody's everybody's trying to make the all road mm-hmm. niche yeah work um i guess the war road is not the same thing as what we're calling an all road because it's more of a a road bike with gravel that's pers- that's, personality. that's what that's what all the all roads are right now they're so they're trying they're, I thought the all road was a gravel with more of a mountain bike feel. No, all all road, okay. all road is. When it first started coming out a few years back, it was a gravel bike with more roadish capability, but it's kind of morphed to a road bike with a little bit of gravelish. This is almost as confusing as pronouns. It. I'm just saying, I think I I I I think it's. A solution looking for a problem thing myself. That's, I really do. That's what a lot of this is. Just ride your damn bike. Well, again, it's the the whole bike industry is built on the N plus one model. Yeah. And the more so, you say that, the more I agree with it. So they're all trying to they're all they're always trying to it's like, oh, I just sold this person a titanium gravel bike. But, it seems like as an industry, you realize the struggle you're in. Maybe you would hold up on the N plus one uh, motive. You know, let's sell what we have, and then let's dangle the new shiny object. You know what I mean? Well, but I mean, if 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 that's if that's what's if that's how the industry's been surviving for let's say thirty years. Yeah. Probably longer, but that's that's probably as long as my perception of adult cycling kind of goes back. Well, uh, it kind of happened. Uh, well, I mean, it happened in road biking first, where people started changing frame uh, materials, 
and then componentry was constantly getting upgraded and then once mountain bikes hit the market it was just off to the races well so okay so that that you that used to be the natural progression as technology improved it was time to upgrade a bike mm-hmm. so that was the original n plus one and then n plus one evolved to oh i have a road bike mm-hmm. i could use a mountain bike too yeah it's that's kind of neat it would be it would be nice to we've got a lot of trails around here and i've got some friends that ride mountain bikes okay i'll 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 get a mountain bike too somewhere down the road it's like okay well i've been hanging out with some single speed friends and my n plus one is going to be a single speed now and then oh well okay there's you know cyclocross is going on uh, maybe I'll get a cyclocross bike. Yeah. And then, oh, hey, gravel's going on. There's no gravel bikes. I'll use my cyclocross bike, or will I use my hardtail 20? Oh, hey, now the gravel bike's right there. And there's a natural N plus yeah. one. So that that was the, uh, you know, originally it was I'm a roadie, and we've, we've upped the technology to carbon fiber. Oh, yeah. okay, now I need, I, need to, uh, I need to update my bike. Then it ex- then it started turning into diversification of disciplines, was the reason for it. And then it was, hey, we've got twenty nine er wheels now. Then they then 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 all the diversification was done. It's like we got to simulate technology advancements with this minutia that doesn't really make a difference for most people, and it just creates more confusion in the market ultimately. And I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I think this all-road designation kind of falls into that. I, I get it. They're, tr- they're trying to make gravel rider-specific riders that are thinking they might want to do more roads riding go that way. Or, hey, you're, you're a road rider primarily, but you still want to be able to do some gravel, maybe kind of, sort of. This is probably a better fit for it. And my experience so far has been that's actually, it's going to be counterproductive because I am seeing it from the, the and this this isn't meant as a slight, but the holdout roadies that haven't gone gravel yet, mm-hmm. they're still kind of sort of gravel curious, but they still want it to be more like road riding, but stay, say well, they're riding gravel. It's getting more like road riding. To some to some extent, it is especially on the higher categories. I, I mean, I think I think the organization of the competition is getting more roadish yeah. along those lines, but ultimately, the what what the people that want a more road like experience they want gravel roads that are not gravel roads. They want unpaved paved roads, mm-hmm. basically, and the the. People don't appreciate that. What's the best way to put it? I still I see those posts on a regular basis. Hey, I li- I live in Irving, mm-hmm. and I want smooth gravel roads. Where you know I want to try gravel on smooth gravel roads. Where can I go? And you say, well, you got to go an hour and a half this way. No, I I, I just want them right here in Irving. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> don't th- worry, we'll bring them to you. <laughs> it 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 doesn't work that but, way. But, or, what, but what they want is they want a twenty foot wide single track. They want smooth. Yes. Yes. They don't even want gravel. No. They don't want dirt. No, they don't they, they don't even want crushed granite. Yeah. You know? It's funny because there's there's so if you have the aggressive versus the delicate, the road mountain, and then they're both kind of feeding into gravel, it's it's interesting because if you come from mountain biking to gravel, you're like, Oh, 
this is smooth. This is fast. Right, right, if right. If you come from road into gravel, you're like, man, this is rough. This, this is, is ridiculous. Slow, you know? <laughs> so it's it's just interesting how different the perspectives are based on right. what your previous experience is. Yeah, and I, th- I, think, I think there is actually a natural progression that's going roady, gravel, and that's feeding into new mountain bike riders. Mm. I think that progression is actually happening. It's not the majority. I don't want it to sound like, oh, hey, we had 10,000 traditional road riders that have gone gravel, and now 9,000 of them are interested in mountain biking, too. No, it's more like, yeah, maybe 1,000 of them, 10%. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think the, the bicycle industry, because it, it went the other way, too, you had mountain bike riders that got into gravel, and they're like, oh, well, those, those people are going to want to go road now. And I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's happening. But but I'll tell you, before before gravel as we know it existed, there was a um, – in fact, I even uh, played party to it for quite some time. Uh, there was a strong contingent of people that want to be competitive. And it still exists. People that want to be competitive on a mountain bike can't really get the fitness they want strictly on a mountain bike you have to go out and ride road pound road put base miles down that's how i got started on it clock long hours uh go for big long rides you know get in and do pulls and everything like that but i think now you know especially with like events like you're putting on where you have a hundred mile option and you have support you know um and you have bailouts and you have shorter routes and it 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 gives a lot of people that are into mountain biking and vice versa in into road riding uh, a chance to go out on a ride where they don't have to map the route they don't have to worry about getting lost they don't have to, i mean it removes a lot of the worries from them but from a mountain biking perspective it allows them to go and and put in those long rides with those big efforts in a somewhat controlled environment you know in a safer environment yeah too. Yeah, and 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 also don't discount. I know this isn't in your wheelhouse mm-hmm. yet, but going back to you know when I started riding road, that was the only way I could get those everyday rides in those daily grinds, so to speak, mm-hmm. to build the base. Mm-hmm. You can accomplish that now on a smart trainer. No ifs ands or you 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 can put in your three days of Zwift yeah. each week. And three days of riding where one of them's a real long day on a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah. And you're going to get that fitness and training that you needed yeah. to, to truly build the base for the endurance stuff. But along those lines, on the mountain bike side, endurance mountain biking is not the thing it used to be. 12 and 24-hour races are few and far between these days compared to what they used to be. Yeah. But I do think that's something that's likely to come back in the mix and probably not as big as it was but i think i still say xc endurance mountain biking is probably the next growth area in cycling and events but not the tradition more more like the ramble stuff more like the mixed surface stuff yeah including more single track and making it maybe not an hours based format but along the lines of gravel make it a mileage based format 100 miles, 150, 200 yeah. miles. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to incorporate all this other stuff, the mixed surface stuff. But I think it's going to become more 
oriented towards the XC mountain bikes, uh, where people do need a mountain bike to pull it off, not a gravel bike. I think that I, I like the direction, and maybe it's just wishful thinking, but it seems inevitable that, and I think I've said something to this nature before, that people that are wanting to host gravel events or mountain bike events are, are going to start melding the lines uh, and start putting on, not only does it kind of meld your audience as well because you're drawing from multiple disciplines. I mean, just like Rudolph's Revenge, right? You've got just straight-up roadies that have mountain bikes that enter that race, and you have straight-up mountain bikers that don't ride the road that enter that race. Right. Um, and then you have single speeders. And, I mean, it, 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 it attracts from multiple disciplines. Um, and then when you start doing a, a ride like Rule of Three – you're attracting multiple disciplines as well. So I think it's good for the draw, but it's also good for the organizer because they can not stay on gravel 93% of the time, you know, which is difficult putting lacing together a route that's obtainable and reachable by the consumer that is consist majority of gravel. You know, if you undo that limitation, then you can put on an event that A is closer and B has a more varied terrain. And it's kind of a win, win, win almost, except for, I don't know what you have to go through with permits and all that shit. So it, it, I don't worry about legality. Of course you, know? you don't. Uh, of course you don't. But I'm not an organizer. It does make things, generally speaking, mm-hmm. more complicated, combining an authorized mountain bike trail with with a network of roads and with if there's another trail in the mix or another park or whatever else mm-hmm. trying trying to get all those pieces coordinated can be can be complicated uh that was that was part of the beauty of of all or nothing and utilizing uh for our ranch mm-hmm. is that i mean that was like the ideal central spot yeah um that makes sense so that so we're def- and it's pretty and it's gorgeous yeah. up there. So we're definitely looking forward to doing that one again. I've got mm-hmm. some other ideas for some mixed terrain stuff I'd like to throw into the mix. Mm-hmm. But, man, uh, you know, we, we talk about it all the time on these sorts of events. Weather is always a factor. It's mm-hmm. like everything around here is just so weather sensitive, and that makes that, that complicates it that much more. Weather is always a factor. Somebody said that. I've heard that before. Yeah. I don't know where it comes from. I can't remember who, but I agree. But did we co- did we cover all of Shannon's email, or did we, did we go sideways on that? Um, he just talks about uh, one of the things we briefly mentioned. You guys mentioned handling of the bike would be the difference, which I still think I, that's a huge factor. I think. Well, I th- and I think if it, everything's level, I think it's. Co- I think he's co- maybe combining a couple of the the issues or topics we've talked Mm -hmm. about he alludes uh, yeah i at first i thought he was talking about handling at speed like you talked about Mm -hmm. last week but more that also seems to indicate he's going into yeah there's a big difference from one e-bike to the next so Uh yeah yeah yeah. he kind of he kind of covers both in that sentence and and again for me and i i'm looking at that from an organizer standpoint for me, it's it's still it's still really difficult just to say, hey, here's an e-bike category, yeah, because 
there's one and then jailbreak you jail, yeah. you jailbreak it that takes it to another level yeah um i forgot what he was telling me there's there's two different styles of jailbreak one of them you can go above the the max speed above your max speed which i think uh when they come they're limited to like 19 and a half or 20 miles an hour but also how much power you can put down how much assist there is yeah so I think that's the other part of the... And they're two different jailbreaks from what I understand. I don't know. I, I'm speaking out of my ass, honestly. Right. I'm probably wrong. So, I, um, No, I, I understand that. And uh, I mean, it's it's come up when we've... Again, from an or, organizer's perspective, there's been times when we did mountain bike events and hey are you are 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 you doing are you going to have an e-bike category and it's like right. one year we weren't able to do it because our the insurance we had at that time specifically excluded anything motorized anything motorized yeah and we we tried to nail it down hey e-bikes don't fall into this as far as that insurance company was concerned they did so uh you know i caught shit from the e-bikers for that one because i didn't change insurance companies in the middle of the year it's like who cares <laughs> So the next year, it wasn't because of the e-bike, but for other reasons, we changed insurance, and that one did allow e-bikes. But then we got caught up in the, well, then I had to abide by, at this land, manager's requirements, we can do e-bikes. This one we can't. uh, This one we can if they have a permit uh, for, you know, uh, assisted riding or whatever Mm -hmm. else. So, basically, we ended up with one event that we could just, anybody that wanted to ride an e-bike was allowed to be there. Yeah. And so, we put an e-bike category in, and for three years prior to that, all I'd been getting was, just put the category up, they'll, they'll come, people aren't going to be so picky about it. And I, I put an e-bike category up there, and the first three emails I get, well, how do I know that I'm not racing against jailbroke bikes? Or well, I don't. I, I want to cheat, but I don't want to get out cheated. <laughs> or, or uh, you know, well, it's 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 not fair if I'm. Com- they, I think they listed specific bike motors or something like that. Yeah. It's like I don't. I don't know. Yeah. That's my. That's my point. You, yeah. You're you're saying it yourself. My e bike isn't comparable to another e bike, so it's not fair for them to race me. It's like. Yeah, are we really racing at that point if you're using all that assistance? Evidently, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm 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 not I'm 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 not disputing that you I mean you can you can race motorcycles, right? Yeah. So Yeah, but you're in the 250cc class or you're in the 400 well, I, or you're in the two stroke or the four stroke or you know. Right. And I guess that's my point. At this juncture, there's no way to categorize e-bikes like that, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they all break down. I know that Shannon was explaining to me that, uh, like, the carbon version of his bike has a uh, a lighter motor, which is what leads to the overall lightness of the bike, meshed with the carbon frame, obviously, and slightly better componentry. But um, so it'll go as fast. Um, it just doesn't have as much range. But then you start putting two different riders on a bike, you know, like Shannon weighs, you know, probably 30, 40 pounds heavier than me. Sure. And so that's going to affect his range versus if I'm on the same bike. Sure. But that's also going to, I would think, affect the acceleration and, and overall. But again, if we're going, we're going, you know, again, 
if you if you go into the parallel to motorcycle racing, mm-hmm. 250 cc class. Yeah. Okay. If, if if you're carrying 50 pounds extra, that's your penalty. That's not that's not the class penalty. That's not the bike's penalty. That's fair, but I mean, much to your point that there's so many. Like even within, like if you only had a class for Orbea, you would still have. No, that, and that's you a, would still have five so different people on five different I, bikes. I, with, I think what we're getting to is, or what what's processing in my head now mm-hmm. is actually for e-bike racing mm-hmm. in an XC environment. We're getting super specific, super niche, which is never going to happen. I, I realize that. Yeah. But to address that, the e-bike categorization itself has to be standardized that this is a... And it's really not at this point. No, this, this is a 700-watt bike. This is a 1,200 or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what that differentiator yeah. is. Nor do I. Um, and but I know there's, like on most bikes, there's three or four different levels. Let's just go to to one of the big box brands real quick. Let's go to, what, name your name your big box brand. I mean, specialized. That's what I was thinking. Let's look at their e-bikes and see if we can't just figure out their, their different tiers of e-bikes really quick. We won't spend a lot of time on this, but and we we can we can edit it if we spend oh, too much time. Electric. On Let's just focus on mountain, right? Sure. Although I have to just so they have a road bike. They have one road bike. They have four different mountain bikes, and then they have active. They have one, two, three, four, five, six. So that's eleven total. And then they have a globe, which I don't know what that is. Probably a cargo bike. And then they have a kids e-bike as well so 13 different e-bikes offered by specialized well and the active now uh that's a that's a huge point we didn't address that uh, when we were talking about the different e-bike segments that and maybe it kind of maybe it kind of lumps into your commuter uh group Uh as well but uh the the super part-time rider that like takes a bike with them on vacation or whatever Uh That those folks are all over the e-bike. Yes, in fact, uh, I mentioned it on the last podcast. I think there was a, a a female that finished her ride at North Shore, and she had it was her second ride on her e-bike, and it's because they were in Bentonville right. and rented an e-bike on vacation. I'm, I'm I'm talking I'm talking about the people that go to Destin for oh, yeah. a, be- a beach trip, and where maybe yeah. they used to take a beach cruiser with them to pedal two two blocks. Yeah. Or whatever. Now they're taking a two thousand dollar e bike yeah. instead. All right, let's start with the Kinovo. I just want to see what their motor size is. Where's the specs? These are all just sexy pictures. How they how they define it? Or yeah, just... drivetrain. Would would it not be in the drivetrain? What are we doing here? So it's got a specialized turbo full power system two point two motor. That that doesn't. Okay, 700 watts per hour, battery. That, that's the battery. Yeah, so it's 700 WH. Okay, no, okay, but that's, okay, that's the battery. That really yeah. does, that doesn't mean, so that, what, it just says specialized 2.2 motor. Uh-huh. So, which, which, okay, so how does that compare to an Orbea 3.8 motor? I, right, there's even more cloudiness here. Yeah, yeah, that's my point. So it's, the yeah. Here's so, a Turbo Levo SL um, let's just see what their motor is. Now that I know where to find it, kind of. Right. Uh, battery. So this has a 320 watt hour battery. 
um, motor is that specialized SL 1.1 custom lightweight motor. So much like I was saying, this has less than half the battery and it has a lesser powered motor as well. So even if you yeah, push but it, is, is it 50% less? Uh, we don't know. <laughs> well, mathematically, <laughs> 1.1 is half of 2.2. But, but, but that, that, that doesn't necessarily, no, that, that's just labeling. No, I know. So, yeah, that helps sell the 2.2 that maybe it's just a 20% yeah. more powerful motor. Mm-hmm. All right. And I know I know there's going to be people on e-bikes that are getting frustrated with me that I'm knocking e-bike racing. I am not knocking e-bike racing. It's just racing. so hard to wade through I, and figure out. As an organizer... I mean, I've been told multiple times, just put the category up there and people will show up. I've put the category up there multiple times and people haven't shown up. And not that I'm overly concerned about that. Don't blast the events for not having the e-bike races because I know there are some events that have e-bike categories and I haven't seen any of them that are drawing huge numbers. If e-bike riders want a form of competition specifically for them, help us out. Help define that for us. It's not for us to say this is what it makes. This is what it takes to make uh, head-to-head e-bike racing make sense. Y'all need to tell us what it takes for that to make sense. You know what? I'm I'm curious, but I think that enduro has e-bike categories. I don't wonder how they navigate that. But I, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, the, the pedal sections are untimed. But, I mean, yeah, obviously you the pedal You the would pedal be able to rest in between stages because a lot of those you have to pedal from stage to stage. But, hypo, but hypothetically speaking, mm-hmm. and yes, we're idiots. We don't know what we're talking about. would definitely love to hear from the Enduro Bras on this one. I, uh, I could be completely wrong. No, I, I think I'm pretty sure you're right. And I'll dig into it later this week to mm-hmm. get a little more detail on it. But hypothetically speaking, even if you don't have the same motor as the other people, since you're untimed at the up segments, for lack of a better Mm -hmm. term, you can take your time to do that and have comparable rest to somebody with a with a bigger motor sort of sort of thing. The downhill, then you're into who's got the better suspension and and everything like that. But there's definitely pedal sections. Mm hmm. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even when even when you're in the gravity section, there pedal assist and the wattage from the motor. There's going to be areas where that does come into play, but I think overall, then you're back into what you were talking about last week: the bike handling. Mm-hmm. If you've got the bike handling in an enduro environment, in the gravity environment, uh, where your bike handling skills at 25 miles an hour, yeah, have more benefit than somebody that has a bigger motor that can only ride those fast sections at 18 miles an hour. And I, I can only imagine that like a 45-pound bike, if your suspension was set up properly, would just eat up bumps so much better anyways because you're a lot more grounded. If you have enough travel and everything where you can just like float through stuff and no, handle I, it, and then you're not worried about trying to power that thing in in the sections where you do have to pedal and you have pe- pedal assist, I could see that to be like a winning combination. Potentially. I, yeah. yeah. And that's one. I'll, I'll, I'll go down that rabbit hole a little bit this week. And Here's dig. my prediction for 2024. Less e-bike talk. From, from us? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, what do you think, besides all road, is going to be the buzzword around cycling in 2024? 
What do you think we're going to see more of? What do you think we're going to see less of? More e-bikes. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I don't uh, think you're wrong. I, I, um, I honestly don't think you're wrong. And I think we're we're going to be, we're going to look back on this in a couple of years and be like, why didn't we just adopt? No, and that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to adopt. Yeah. I, I'm trying to adapt. Uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think e-bikes are there yet. Mm. I'm not saying, I don't think cycling is there. I don't think the bike, it's e-bikes aren't there yet for them to fold themselves into the event and the competitive side of things, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's going to take one of two things, either classification among the different types of bikes or capabilities or whatever, or just e-bike only events that are out there. Here's, but I don't think that's going to happen until we get, again, to that 100-mile e-bike range. I think we're saying the same thing, but here's my unpopular opinion. Okay. I think e bikes should remain recreational. Until they get more structured. I agree completely. Yeah. I, I, I think they make perfect sense as a recreational outlet. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're to the point where they make sense uh, from a formal event in the traditional cycling environment. Like, think of if we had an open doping category in racing. Then you would be, like, worried about, well, is this guy doing EPO and is he doing this? And you'd have to level the playing field with that. The, that people would be looking for it. It's yeah. like, oh, well, I don't, I don't have the... I don't have the budget to do a transfusion every other day. Oh, shit. Sorry. (laughs) Grief, Brad. (laughs) Uh, But what else is going to be a buzzword? It's going to be interesting to see which Mm -hmm. direction all road goes. I I don't want to be proven right, but I still think – I don't think all road is the right – direction i don't think that's a growth market myself but i I'm, i think they're just trying to play off the all mountain i'm happy to be proven wrong yeah. in that i i am still sticking to my guns that i think xc mountain biking for the next couple few years is going to be you said endurance earlier though not xc specifically but i th- well i think endurance is what's going to feed it you're talking about like uh marathon distance like 60 mile I don't. I, we don't know yet. That's what. That, that, that's the point I'm making. I think. I think. I think XC mountain bikes mm-hmm. are going to drive the next growth area of cycling. It seems to me that XC mountain bikes are like one of the fastest dying categories in mountain bikes. They had been. That's what, they're, yeah. they're they're coming back. That's my point. But now they're calling them down country, not cross country. The they tried they tried that for a couple of years as it was dying and it's yeah. they're bringing the industry is bringing back XC hmm. uh, but in a racing format are, are you th- suggesting that it's still like a three lap format kind of thing or or that's, more no, of that's a my, big loop the, don't know yet that's okay. that's my point it's mm. the platforms the platform is going to differentiate I I still think it's going to be the mixed surface thing. Me too. I think it's going to be multi-surface, mixed surface, whatever you want to call it. I think it's the mixed surface that is going to be able to utilize the efficiency of an XC mountain bike, but still have the suspension capabilities of modern mountain bikes, dual Mm -hmm. suspension. It's Mm -hmm. that... That's what, to me, makes the most sense for the next area of growth. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Maybe it would be spurred by when they can take this lightweight, 26-pound dual suspension mountain bike mm-hmm. that still has 140 millimeters of travel but rides like an XC rig, not not, not an enduro rig, mm-hmm. 
And then when they can throw a motor and a battery in it that lets it go 75 or 100 miles for this mixed surface ride, maybe that's what takes everything to that next level. I think the people that are riding the electric mountain bikes, the 46-pound dual suspension mountain bike, but they can only go 30 miles on it. I don't think that, I don't think that's, I don't think anybody has that much of a limit. Or I'm, I'm just, but I don't I'm, know. I, whatever that line is, 30 miles, 40 no. miles, 50 miles, whatever it is. That's the thing I didn't look at is the range on any of those I, well, All I've heard is never, ignore those ranges. They, sure. they're, mean, they're meaningless. Yeah. But at least, no, it, no, at least it's a suggestion. Nobody goes over the range. Let me put you that way. Yeah. If it says it's a 40-mile range, plan on 25. If it says it's a 50-mile range, plan on 40. Yeah. Sort of thing. Um, that, this doesn't even give a suggested. Well, they don't. They, yeah. yeah. And, and particularly if you, well, and then, then if you jailbreak it, then your range is completely gone. Because uh-huh. you're burning so many more watts out yeah. at a faster rate. But... Um, I, I think that the modern XC mountain bike that's coming out, that's out there now, and it is getting, cause I mean, they, they ride like the enduro bikes from 10 years ago, if not mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they still ride even better than the XC bikes of 10 years ago as yeah. well. Um, but it's, you know, the people that are riding the heavier enduro bikes or the e-bikes and they're wanting to go further than their range allows them to go mm-hmm. or that you know I'm I don't want to I don't want to pedal this enduro bike uphill for 15 miles. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I think that's the N+1 that's going to work for for those people the e-bikes, the enduro bikes the gravel riders that came over from the road mm-hmm. that, Hey, that this off road stuff's kind of fun. Maybe I'll start riding single track now, try it out the mountain. Cause I've got so many mountain bike trails that are just out my back door. It, I can't drive two hours to ride gravel. Like I used to all the time. I think we're, I think that's a natural progression for a lot of the gravel riders is to write, start riding single track, but they're not going to want an enduro bike and they're not going to want any bike, but an XC mountain bike does make sense what a for bunch it. of picky bitches just ride your bike i've said it multiple times just ride your bike just ride your bike is it that time sure well, let's roll oh the one thing we are going we're going to check out hutchins today that's our birth that's our birthday dinner you, okay. you guys said you did hutchins right yeah but we got there not fair we got there Right at closing time, and that's every, right. Everything was kind of, eh, but we're 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 going we're going mid afternoon. Yeah, so I'll I'll give you some feedback on that. I'd appreciate it. 